In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bravo Docket. So thank you for being patient with us as we took our little break from the podcast. Angela and I have both been incredibly busy in our regular lives, but we still love doing the podcast and are going to go back to posting regularly as scheduled. And today we are finally getting to a topic that we have been asked about since we started the podcast, which is Bethany Frankel's divorce from Jason Hoppe. People want to know what went on in the divorce, why it took so long, just what the heck happened, and we have those answers for you. Before we dive into the specifics with Bethany and Jason's divorce, Angela, can you provide some information on what a divorce is? Marriage is really two people entering into a set of legal principles and doctrines. It really is a contract and there's a lot of legal rights that go into a marriage. I mean, whoever you're marrying is the person that, God forbid, something happens to you and you're in a coma is the one that's going to make those decisions. Side note, don't marry somebody unless you're like, yes, this is the person that I want making decisions when I'm in a coma. There's just a lot of legal rights and responsibilities that come with marriage. And so when you get divorced, you are severing not just your relationship, but also all of those legal obligations and responsibilities and rights. And that has to be done in a very particular way. And so you have to have a judge issue an order. For example, like in most states, when you get married, if you don't have a will, everything automatically goes to the person that you're married to when you die. That's the person that if you say, if you die intestate without a will, whoever your husband or wife is, is going to be the person that inherits everything. And so When you get divorced, you have the legal documents that say, no, it goes to my kids or whatever else if you don't have a will. But please get wills. Just (laughs) another side note. (laughs) Please get wills. That's some of the best ways you can show your family how much you love them in the event that something happens to you. If it's a, a divorce where, let's say you don't have kids, let's say you both went into the marriage with assets and you're agreeing to just leave the marriage with those same assets and maybe you haven't been married for very long and you can agree on everything, a divorce can be really easy. It can literally be just 
You go to the courthouse. It's a no fault, no contest divorce. You have everything worked out on your own. And in some states, if you can work everything out on your own, you can get divorced in 30 days and for probably less than $300. But a lot of times, unfortunately, that isn't the case. Let me talk about what happens when there are children in a divorce. So the state of New York, all divorces are handled by the New York State Supreme Court. If there are children, issues about custody, visitation, child support all have to be worked out before the judge will sign a divorce judgment. So this matters and there's a definition as to who the children of the marriage are. So this doesn't apply to children who are from a different marriage. It has to be within the marriage. And there's decisions about child support. There's decisions about visitation rights. Who has custody? All of that has to be determined before a divorce judgment can be entered. And the definition for children of the marriage are children who are 20 years old or younger and born or adopted by both you and your spouse during the marriage. Oh, okay. So if you're 21, you no longer count as a child. I was surprised that it was 20. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, one side note. So for people who aren't from New York or don't aren't familiar with New York, New York does their courts kind of backwards to the rest of the states. So the Supreme Court is just like the district court, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I didn't realize that. Right. It's confusing. Yeah. So I think every other state, it's the Supreme Court is the high one, not the bottom and then, So then there are two parts to custody. And I'm focusing on the custody part of it because to me, that was a big part of Bethany and Jason's divorce. But then as Angela will mention, there was also the property dispute that occurred, and we'll get into the specifics there. But there are two parts. There's legal custody and physical custody. The court makes a determination on what is in the best interest of the child, and that is how custody is determined in New York. Yeah, and in New York family law court, you can ask for a bifurcation of the proceedings. And so that means that both parties in divorce can be legally declared as a single person while the other issues in their divorce are still being worked out. So that doesn't affect things like child custody, visitation, child support or alimony or other contentious issues, but it allows you to essentially be legally single while you're working the other things out. So in New York, marriage can enter an annulment, separation or divorce. New York has been a no-fault state since 2010, meaning a couple only needs sight that a marriage is irretrievably broken the way that New York does alimony or spousal support that's done through a mathematical system. A lot of states have enacted that where it's basically just math and saying like, how long have you been married? What are the relative assets and liabilities of each person? Who owns the property and so on and so forth. And so it's it's just a math equation that you put the numbers in, which sometimes that can be really good in states that have that because it keeps some of the costs down because you're not arguing over it. It's just like, this is what the numbers are. You put them in and then whatever comes out is what the court will rule upon. All right. So before we hop into the specifics of their divorce, let's talk about who these people are. I think everyone knows who Bethany is. So I will talk about who Jason Hoppy is. And there isn't a ton of information about him out there. Uh, he was born September 10th, 1970. He is a pharmaceutical sales executive and was formerly a real estate agent. He attended the University of Scranton in Scranton, Pennsylvania, home of The Office, and he rose to television fame in 2009. I also found this other website that I kind of want to read from just for some comedic relief. It says, this is funny, famous for 
being ex-husband of Bethany Frankel. It has his height, his weight, his bicep size. I do not know why they have this information. Who's inputting this? In I this have no idea. And then it says his daughter's name, Bryn. Favorite celebrities, Leonardo DiCaprio and Mila Kunis. Dream Holiday. I have no idea. I just it, I just Googled Jason Hoppy. Who is he? Dream holiday destination is Greece. <laughs> this is some random information to put His on here. His favorite movies are Harry Potter series, Titanic, etc. So, yeah, I, I don't know if this is true. I just wanted to read it because it's out there. Seems only fair to try to give some context on Jason since Bethany is really the one that has the social media and notoriety to really put stories out there and be in the press. And just another side note, we're going to try to really be as fair and empathetic towards both sides as we can. There is obviously bad behavior alleged on both sides. A lot of it we really only have on what was reported on because in New York, the court records for family law proceedings are sealed and then, well, not sealed, but the docket is kind of hidden and you can't look at the records unless you're an attorney or a party to the case. The public proceedings trials, hearings, whatnot, those are open, but they're not televised or anything. So we can only know what was going on from a reporter that was actually in there reporting on it. And then Bethany and Jason actually both petitioned at the very beginning and got their caption listed as anonymous. So you can't even pull up the docket by searching their names. All right, let's dive in. Bethany had been married once before. I didn't realize that until I was researching for this episode. So from 1996 to 1997, She was married to entertainment executive and former best friend Peter Sussman, and that's from New York News Daily. So I guess they married in 1986 after just two years of dating. They filed for divorce a year later. In 2008, Bethany and Jason meet while she is shooting season three of Roni. Apparently, Jason just boldly walked right up to her in a nightclub. And I will say, so I watched part of Bethany Ever After, part of the first season, and Jason's a good-looking dude. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, he's a good-looking dude, and he does, especially in the first season, very much seem... I mean, there's the whole issue with his family and whatnot, but he like his body language and everything, he does seem very much like he's into her. And I kind of wanted to watch those after having not really seen them, because I was like, if I was a judge in a family law case and there was people of this much notoriety, I probably wouldn't be able to help it but want to go back and watch episodes, <laughs> just because I'd be curious. Yeah, the entire history of their relationship was caught on reality television. There was Bethany getting married and then Bethany ever after. And then when they met on Roni, it was just kind of like all there. But there was a lot that we didn't see. But from what we did see, you could tell something was going on after the marriage. Yeah. I mean, one thing I will say about Bethany, lover or hater, I think she's one of the more authentic people on reality TV She really seems to me like what you see is what you get. She does really seem to put it all out there and mention it all. I mean, you watch her therapy sessions, you see her meltdown. She shows some of the more unpleasant things about herself. Watching her struggle in the Bethany Ever After with I don't have I don't come from a family. Jason, you know, has this really close knit family. I feel like he's throwing it at me like I'm a broken person. And so I just don't understand what a real family is like. There's some things that I think are really people are really able to relate to when you watch that. If you've been in one of those types of relationships or had, you know, kind of a different dynamic like that. It was really interesting to kind of go back and watch 
from sort of a lawyer perspective after knowing everything that happened. Oh, okay. So then 11 months after they start dating, Bethany finds in 2009, Bethany finds out she's pregnant on an episode of Roni. I remember watching that episode and watching her kind of partially close the door in the bathroom and go pee on the stick and then <laughs> find out she was pregnant. And she had wanted a baby for so long and a, a family. They've only been together for 11 months and now we're throwing a baby into the mix. I mean, even if you've been married for years and then you get pregnant and you have your first child, that's like a bomb going off. It can be a really good way, but nothing is ever the same in the relationship or in your day-to-day life. And so that's a big stressor to put on a relationship so quickly. Yeah. I remember that episode too. And I just, my uh, my favorite episode is when Ramona thought she was pregnant. And I was wondering if she was like taking oh, a page out of Bethany's book. We've talked about that episode before on this podcast. I know. But it's the most. I know. But I was just wondering because like Bethany got such a good reaction from sharing it. I'm like, yeah. did, did Ramona think, like, I'm going to do the same thing? It's like, okay. <laughs> like, no one thinks you're pregnant, Ramona. No, no one. Nobody. Nobody does. But didn't didn't Bethany hide it from the rest of the cast? It was like the public knew, but I don't think she shared it with the entire cast at the time. I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't know. I guess probably like when she's filming and she found out and then she she knew that wouldn't air for months later. Yeah. So yeah, then, I think yeah she happened. didn't tell anyone at the time. Yeah. yeah. So Bethany and Jason had a prenuptial agreement and they entered into their prenuptial agreement on March 12, 2010. We know this because her lawyers later released a statement talking about the date the prenuptial agreement was entered into, which is very close to their wedding date, which is March 28, 2010. Do not recommend waiting that long to work out the prenuptial agreement, but I think you know they were pregnant, they had a wedding date, they had a very condensed timeline, but please try to work that out if you can, way earlier than that. This is not legal advice. I'm just saying this is just general common yeah. sense. I mean, don't be like Kyle and Amanda having her Google what a prenup is two weeks oh, before those, her those marriage. Two, <laughs> watching her parent, like, on, we're talking about Summer House, but watching her father just look at both of them, like, what is wrong with the, and it's like, what, just, anyway. So they enter into a prenup, and according to Bethany's lawyers, they mutually waive spousal support from the other, both now and in the, in the future. Which, of course, comes up at a certain point because we know that Jason did get a temporary award of spousal maintenance. So her lawyers were pointing this out to say that wasn't right because of their prenuptial agreement and that that was an error of law. But anyway, that's skipping ahead a little bit. So then March 28th, 2010, they get married. I remember watching that. The only thing I really remember from the wedding was that it just looked so hectic. And I think she had like broken out in a rash or something on her face and... Her face was all swollen, and then she was finishing her book and doing, like, 17 things as she was getting her wedding dress on. And then I remember her having to pee in the bucket mm-hmm. <laughs> like before she walked down the aisle. I mean, it wouldn't be her if it wasn't hectic, truly. No, it wouldn't. So I thought this was interesting. Bethany talked about this on her Just Be podcast, and she talked about the prenup and how she didn't want to get one. And she said, quote, the word prenup was embarrassing to me. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward. A contract when you get married, if I had known that getting into marriage is the same as getting into business together with a business partner, my eyes would have been more open. But I think it's fortunate she did get a prenup because I think it would have been a lot worse without one. Oh, and I forgot that only Alex McCord and Ramona Singer were invited to her wedding. That was Those were the only two. So of all people, how did Ramona end up getting the invites? I think they were really close 
at the beginning. Yeah. Anything else about her wedding? No. Just that it was, we all saw it. It was on TV. So then May 8th, 2010, Bryn was born. November 2011, so that's a year and a half later, they purchased an apartment on Hudson Street, which we'll talk about later. This is the apartment where a lot of tension occurred and issues happened and yada yada. Bethany mentioned it on her more recent season of Roni as well. It's funded by a loan in the amount of $2.3 million and approximately $2.7 million from an account in Bethany's name. So then there was an issue with the trust. Jason was named as the sole successor trustee of the trust. And there were issues that came out later about how the trust was created. And Bethany later sued her attorney, claiming fraud and malpractice for how the trust was handled. Do you want to talk about the trust? Yeah. So that was that was a whole big thing. So part of the reason why, well, first of all, we're kind of just jumping right into when things are going bad and the divorce and whatnot. But to lay the background for stuff, we kind of have to. So apparently in 2011, Jason had a trust drawn up and had the property entered into a trust. And part of the reason that is property records are public. And so they wanted to keep these things private. And Jason told her that was the reason. According to Bethany, Jason told her that was the reason for the trust. And then their things were notarized and by his mom, which ended up coming out and being a big issue. And Jason was named as the sole successor of the trust. And so he ended up arguing that that gave him a right to the Tribeca apartment that all of the issues took so long over. So Bethany claimed that she executed, which means signed, the trust agreement, believing, based on what Jason told her, that the trust was just to maintain privacy given her public recognition. So she is essentially arguing that she only entered into the trust based on a misrepresentation. So the fact that Jason is the sole successor of it shouldn't be looked at or upheld. And we'll talk more about that later on. On December 23rd, 2012, Bethany and Jason announced that they were divorcing. According to the New York Daily News, Bethany told Hoppy she wanted a divorce by letter because that's what they agreed to in their prenup. But he didn't take it well. And this was after they were married for approximately two years. So I'm sure Bethany, you know, being Bethany, went to her divorce lawyers, said that she was wanting a divorce and asked them how to do it and obviously gave them a copy of the prenuptial agreement. I'm sure the prenuptial agreement said if you're exercising rights or something in this agreement, written notice by one party to the other party, blah, blah, blah. So it kind of sounds like maybe he didn't have a ton of warning and she handed him the letter written by an attorney, which is if that's how that happened, I could understand being broken up with with the notarized letter. It's not, not going to make you feel great. In doing research for this episode, I went back through Reddit and looked at a lot of old posts about Bethany's divorce and watched some of the scenes that were mentioned in the posts about the second season of Bethany Ever After, where the cracks were starting to show. Looking at it with those eyes, you can really see that there were a lot of problems. I mean, even two completely rational, normal people getting married after only knowing each other after 11 months and then immediately having a baby and then having all these businesses, that's going to be stressful. But then adding all of the press and everything else to it. And I mean, they just didn't honestly know each other that well 
he had some idea of what he was getting into with her fame and notoriety, but then add a baby to it. I don't think she knew what she was getting into with the family. You know, like he wanted her to go there every two weeks and travel all the way out there and spend all that time with him. I'm not saying anyone's a bad person at this stage of what's going on. It's just you can really see the cracks showing when you go back and watch those episodes. Totally, which is why he should not have been surprised by a notarized letter, even though it's formal. And I mean, to be fair, based on what Bethany alleged, he went totally psycho over it. Yeah. But like, come on. Yeah. You knew it wasn't working. Yeah. I think our family law attorneys listening to this can back us up on this. But even even and I'm not saying Bethany and Jason are normal, (laughs) but even normal people, when you get in family law proceedings, it can bring out the absolute worst, most primal it, 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 I think you see people at their absolute worst because you, you feel like your family group or support system is being torn apart and you're literally fighting for your children, your life, your whatever it is. And that's that's two rational, reasonable, normal people. And then if you add some volatility to that already, then it gets really bad. And it's going to be I'm trying to be as fair as possible because I really, 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 really dislike some of the things that I learned about what Jason did as we were researching for this. So I'm just trying to be really fair. Alleged. <laughs> but it's uncomfortable. Some other financial reporting from some documents that some of these news sources were able to get their hands on. So Bethany supposedly had an estimated worth of $22 million when she signed the prenuptial agreement in 2010. And this is according to divorce documents obtained by Radar Online. And then Hoppy, meanwhile, is reportedly worth far less with just $475,000 to his name before marrying Bethany. And then Hoppy's checking and savings account totaled just over 13k with a joint account with Bethany coming in at 4k. I thought this was interesting. So, while just 2 years later, Bethany's W2 tax form allegedly listed her wages earned that year as just over 4 million. Hmm. I love seeing real numbers. Yeah. And it's just, this is reading like if you've looked at one of the divorce forms, this is reading like how you kind of lay things out and have to lay out what your joint separate checking all this because you have to list every single asset you have and then which ones you're saying are marital property, which ones you're saying are not like an inheritance or something else. So Bethany's personal checking and savings account was at $282,000. And then Hoppy claimed an average month in the Frankel Hoppy household cost around $35,000 a month. Oof. That's a lot. Yeah. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hobby's court filing, according to Radar, lists five hundred dollars alone for toys each month, along with six hundred dollars in clothing for the couple's child, Bryn, and four hundred and seventy in clothing for himself. And then a 4K summer home rental, and then $2,500 each month for vacations. Now, I'm sure Hoppy's lawyers had him list like the maximum amount of money that he alleged he needed for things, but I just watched an episode where he didn't want to spend $230 on a pair of jeans. The couple took holidays together in Turks and Caicos and Las Cabos, Mexico. Raider claims that there is a dispute between them for whether those trips were business or pleasure. And taking those counterclaims into consideration, the judge presiding over the case reportedly stated, disputes about whether they're often luxurious travel constituted vacations, according to the husband, or work, according to the wife. It is difficult to make a precise finding as to the marital lifestyle. That might be difficult for a judge to kind of figure out, but I watched the show. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and then it says, meanwhile, Forbes reports that Frankel sold her skinny girl margarita line to Fortune Brands Beam Global for $100 million via a multi-year payout system. Forbes also claims that the reality star already saw $54 million within 12 months of inking the deal, whereas they estimate her role on Housewives garnered her a mere seven hundred k as of 2011. I like how they say a mere seven hundred k. I was cringing watching Bethany Ever After when she was trying to get him involved in the skinny girl mm-hmm. stuff before she sold it, saying, well, it's ours. It's our, yeah. it's our, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> All my lawyer, I was like, I was getting hives. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because he like took a business role in yeah. her company. Yeah. And to try to look at it, to try to disassociate and like, let's not look at it like it's these two people, but just disassociate it and look at it from the other side. Imagine if it was a woman that quit her job, got married, had a baby with somebody, and then was asked to take on a major role within the company. And then whether or not you would think that was fair. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you, yeah. it's like reversing the gender roles and not thinking about it as Jason and Bethany. It's kind of like, okay, well, yeah, I would expect, I would expect them to really argue that they deserve more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So they at at the time of the divorce, they were both seeking primary custody of Bryn. Bethany hired a lawyer named Alan Majewski, who I guess represented Katie Holmes in her split from Tom Cruise. And we have some statements from him throughout this this episode that we'll read. And you wanted to note how primary custody is kind of the standard, right, in New York. Again, I'm not licensed in New York. I'm not a New York divorce attorney. But in some states, it's common for both sides to automatically put in their petition 
that they are requesting full custody and then the court works it out. And that's what I think lawyers advise them to do if they don't have a prearranged agreement for shared custody. So I don't think that was initially at first such a sort of, I guess, aggressive move on both their parts. I think that may have been kind of standard procedure for a divorce proceeding in New York, from what I read. Again, our family law attorneys in New York can correct us if we're wrong. But obviously, the child custody thing did become a massive, massive issue. So May 2014, the custody battle began. And we have some statements from her attorney, as well as some summaries on her testimony. Because as we noted before, journalists could attend the public hearings that occurred during the divorce proceedings. So her attorney accused Hoppy of hacking into her personal email and sought to obsessively control her every move through their daughter. And this is according to a report. Bethany's attorney claimed that Jason went to war after the divorce and threatened to destroy her. Her attorney said, quote, he had followed and spied on along with her, their daughter. He hacked into her most private personal email. He has consciously placed his desire for revenge over the best interests of this family, and particularly the child. He has sought to obsessively control their every move through their daughter. Her attorney also said that Bethany is very, very involved mother whose success will benefit the child. And of course, this is coming from her attorney, so he's going to say the best things about Bethany. And like I mentioned before, the standard is what is in the best interest of the child. And you can tell that his language is through that lens. He's trying to paint her as the parent that would provide the best interest for the child. So I just want to note that as we say this, it is a biased statement, but it's what we have. Right. One thing that's important to point out is that I'm sure both, I know both sides counsel told them do not leave the residence. And that's very common in most states and in divorce proceedings is that the attorney will say, don't move out of the residence. You're essentially ceding the residence to the other person if you let that become their primary residence and where they live. And so both Bethany and Jason listened to their attorneys and they both refused to move out of the Tribeca apartment, which meant that they were living together in, I bet, a very large New York apartment, but still a New York apartment as they're going through this acrimonious divorce. Living with someone who openly despises you is just awful. It's just awful. Yeah. And then having to co-parent during this divorce where you're both trying to get custody of your child in the same New York apartment. Yeah, we saw the apartment. It's huge, but it's it's not enough to be like, I'm in this wing of the apartment and you stay in this wing of the apartment like they're still gonna have to go through the same front door right you know yeah um, this isn't like Teresa Judice's house in New Jersey where you could probably get confused and lost on the other side of it (laughs) never see anyone ever again yeah so yeah so we have this testimony from the proceedings in Manhattan Superior Court and she testified and said that Jason made fun of her age called her disgusting, and vowed to ruin her when he found out that she wanted a divorce. She said that Jason told her, quote, if you don't want to be with me and you're ending this marriage, I want nothing to do with you ever again. I'm going to destroy you. She also testified that Jason said, you're already losing fans. I'm going to ruin you. 
Frankel said that Hoppy did everything he could to make her uncomfortable, including staring at her wordlessly, videotaping her, and interrupting her whenever she tried to spend time with Bren. And she said this included climbing into Bren's bed with her and whispering in her ear, you're done, you're finished, in a decibel that Bren couldn't hear, but I could. This is Bethany, Bethany's testimony. And she said that after she gave him the letter, that life became brutal, horrendous, and excruciating. Going back and kind of watching and looking at them, I can see Bethany deciding herself, okay, this isn't going to work. This marriage is over and just completely shutting down on Jason. And then Jason lashing out in this incredibly inappropriate way to try to get a reaction or something out of her. But it just what she's describing is just very abusive and awful and vengeful. And it's even just reading it is just awful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And using her time parenting Bryn to attack her. Yeah. She said, quote, the person I knew before the letter vanished. Every action during the day it felt like was being done to torture me. He would leave the house in shambles, dishes piled everywhere, garbage piled everywhere. He'd pee and poop and leave it in the toilet. He would turn the television on as loud as he could and then put the remote in his backpack and leave with it. That is just petty. (laughs) Like, I guess you can just unplug the TV, but still, if that's true, the effort that was put into just making somebody else miserable is just awful. Um, yeah, but this is under testimony. It's under oath. It's testimony yeah. she gave in court under oath. I find her believable when she's saying this. Bethany's a lot of things. I don't I don't think she's a liar. And this is this is there's so many details that she testified that Hoppy would also invite family and friends to stay in the apartment for long periods of time. Quote, his father would be at the apartment in his underwear and a tank top, Brinkle said, recounting one incident where Hoppy and his dad both emerged without clothing when she was having a photo shoot done. She said she repeatedly urged Hoppy to make peace with her for their daughter's sake, but acknowledged she cracked a couple of times herself, once throwing water on Hoppy as he slept, calling him white trash and warning him, you're not going to see your daughter. But she did testify that she moved out earlier in 2014. So mm-hmm. eventually, I mean, you can only stay in that for so long before it's like, I'm getting out, you know, fine. Yeah. You get to stay the- in this apartment, whatever. And that's the frustrating thing, too, because I've I've I have friends that have had family law practices and it's like the one person that is trying to work things out and be rational and reasonable. They're not allowed to crack once because if they crack once, then their ex will point, you know, their soon to be ex will point the finger at them and be like, well, you did this and you did that. You could imagine anybody pushing you to the point to where eventually you're going to. And I think that's an abuse technique, too, is like just pushing somebody to the point to where they crack and then they do something and then it's like, oh, well, you're not perfect. You did something once. You cracked once. So you're just as bad as me. Yeah. So frustrating. Yeah. And that shouldn't negate everything he did. Like, right. if you put it exactly. on a list, like, OK, she threw water at him, called him white trash and said, you're never going to see your daughter compared to whispering you know, in her ear, videotaping her, peeing and Months pooping. of just torture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not fair. But then I've seen these things happen where it comes out in court and it's like a high-powered attorney on the other side, even if your client does one thing, they're going to make hay of it and bring it up as many times as possible. And it's like, well, this is only what he's brought up. He's been trying not to say bad things or do bad things. And he doesn't have a litany of complaints because he let things go. You know what I mean? And you have to sit there and listen to that and know that's not true. It's just, there's so many things about it. I'm getting like anxiety talking about it. There's so many things in family law stuff where it's just really, really difficult. All right. So then this is Hoppy's side. 
Jason's lawyer, in an opening statement, said that Bethany is using Bryn as a prop to further her business interests. Bethany Frankel's priority is Bethany Frankel, he said. Her style is to attack, attack, attack. He claims that despite Bethany telling a court evaluator she was keeping her daughter out of the limelight during their divorce fight, the attorney said that she's using the girl as a model for the main character in her upcoming children's book, which also includes references to Frankel's, quote, skinny girl line of products. The book has the skinny girl logo throughout the pages, the attorney said. He also noted that when Bethany left the apartment, she took all of Bryn's favorite toys and clothes with her, leaving her daughter distraught when she came home. When Hoppy tried to cook Bryn some food, he said that all the utensils were gone, replaced by plastic spoons and forks. She left one pot. Okay. I mean, this, here's the frustrating thing about this. Reading this was really frustrating for me because Hoppy knew when he married Bethany. I mean, he met her when she was filming for Roni. So he knew when he married her that this is her life. And the only reason that she has all of these things and that they have that apartment and, I mean, just she, that they had pots to cook in was because she was who she was. And so the fact that he's weaponizing the situation that he agreed to when he married her is frustrating, saying he knew she had skinny girl all over everything. He knew that's who Bethany was. That's how she was making all of the money that eventually she had to use to pay for his divorce lawyers. So that was frustrating to me, seeing his attorneys trying to weaponize the reality of their life. Yeah, she has skinny girl all over everything. Having a baby was part of her storyline in multiple seasons of a show that he was also on. I mean, how did you feel about that? I agree. And I just looked up the book because I didn't remember anything about the children's book. And she did end up making it. You could still buy it. It's on Amazon. It's called Cookie Meets Peanut. And it does have a drawing of a little girl with blonde hair. I don't see any references to the logo. There's a red line throughout the drawings. There's a lot of the signature skinny girl red. Of course, they don't have the full book for you to view online. Right. What's the point of What's the point? But from what I can see, it's just the skinny girl. Oh, there is the logo in um in the back, but it doesn't say skinny girl anywhere. It's like the the girl logo. And then there's a little sign that says the real house dogs of NYC. Aww. It's just cute. It's just it's cute. cute. And I guess the implication he was trying to make is that he's using her to profit and kind of connecting the skinny girl concept, which is not the healthiest thing to call <laughs> Here, yeah, I mean, brand, yeah. <laughs> um, and connecting it to Bryn and trying to make it seem, I don't know, malicious in some way. But I, I don't get that from this. And another thing, Bethany was a cook or a chef, depending on who you want to listen to, either Bethany or <laughs> Kelly Ben Simone. So the fact that she took her pots and pans and her dishware and whatever, like it was probably hers to begin with. She was yeah. the, the cook before she met Jason. And, oh, God forbid, she leaves them with plastic cutlery. You could still eat. Like, come on. Come on. I actually thought it was kind of nice to leave some plastic cutlery. <laughs> <laughs> she could have just thrown it away. I mean, it may have been like leftover takeout plastic cutlery that they keep in a drawer. I mean, we have a drawer full of it <laughs> for whatever reason. It's not like she left you. It's not like you had to eat with your hands. You know, she left you something. Yeah. I honestly like eating with my hands, but that's just me. I also like eating with plastic cutlery sometimes. Sometimes I just don't want to wash my freaking fork after. <laughs> sometimes I just don't. Don't come for me. I know it's bad for the environment. And the book the book has really good reviews. People love it. So 
if that's the worst thing she did was put a drawing of Bryn, and she doesn't even mention Bryn's name in a book, yeah. so be it. And to be fair, she never showed Bryn's face until everything was kind of settled. We didn't know what Bryn looked like yeah. until very, I was going to say late in her life. She's like a child still, but, you know, <laughs> until late in the proceedings. Yeah, I just, so I think from a lawyer perspective, and Ceci, tell me how you feel, but Jason also hired very good, very high-powered divorce lawyers. And so they're doing their job the best they can, trying to point out things But the fact that they're having to use a children's book and plastic cutlery as kind of a comeback for saying she's terrible as well, I think is really kind of telling because they they are very good divorce lawyers. I mean, they're the reason I think why Jason was able to accomplish some of the things, if you want to call it an accomplishment, that he did in the divorce. But the fact that they're having to use those sort of things and there isn't this litany of just awfulness that he can say about her, I think is telling. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. And so we know from public reports that she ended up calling off the custody proceedings at this time, and they entered into a joint custody agreement, for better or worse. So another thing we're talking about back to the apartment, and this is pretty normal in these types of proceedings. When you file for divorce, essentially your assets are frozen. You can use stuff for your day-to-day living expenses, but you can't make any huge transactions or you can't go out and buy a yacht or sell one of your properties or whatever it is. So the judge had ordered that neither party was allowed to sell the apartment. So Bethany had to keep paying for the apartment while Jason and his family were living in it, could not sell it. And then his attorneys, because of that trust, were able to try to make some arguments to say that he had a right to that apartment. And this is when she started saying that she was like the richest, wait, what was it? Like the richest homeless person in New York? I'm the richest homeless person in Manhattan right now. That's what it was. Just Manhattan, not entirely. Not all of New York. Oh. <laughs> She's the richest person in Manhattan. I mean, it was it was an obtuse comment, but she can't buy another apartment. And she can't live in the one that was such a huge milestone for her that she bought with all of her own money. I mean, there's no doubt about that. She paid for that entire thing with her own money. The mortgage was in her name. Jason's name was never on the deed. She said it. She's living in extended stay apartments, which I'm sure were really, really nice, probably at the Four Seasons or something. But it's still she didn't in a very Bethany way. She didn't feel like she had a home. She yeah. just could have said it better. <laughs> she was, yeah, she was renting at the time. That was on yeah. the show. We can see her renting. You want to talk about the potential forgery? If you guys have listened to our Mary Cosby episode, you already know a lot about notaries and how they work. Well, apparently Jason's mom was a notary. A judge did rule that the documents used to secure the trust for Bethany and Jason's Tribeca apartment, that trust was void. So the apartment that he refused to leave, that they both lived in, that we've been talking about, that closed in 2011. So there's a loan, a $2.3 million loan, and then Bethany just outright paid $2.7 million. And I just want to call out Stacey Slotnick Esquire. She is an attorney in Canada, I believe. And she wrote an article on All About the Tea that was really helpful. So Bethany claims she took out the loan, but that the signature on the trust documents were not hers. She said she was duped into signing the documents and that someone may have forged her signature on some of the other ones. And if anybody's close on a house, you know you have to sign things like a million times anytime you have... Can you say that again? I think you hit the thing. I did. I'm talking with my hands again. <laughs> you gotta sit on them. 
I can't. I'm, I'm, I can't. Okay, so legal team Warlock decided that he wants to participate in some way in this podcast today is taking up my entire chair that I have, like my entire thing that allows me to sit in the right position to speak into the microphone. So I am literally perched on the edge because he's a cat and cat owners know you can't move them. And now I'm, I don't have room to wave my arms around in my Italian way. Anyway, what was I talking about? I don't oh. know. I'm over here buying Bethany's book now off eBay because I was Aww. so inspired. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, back on topic. So she said she was duped into signing the documents and someone may have forged a signature. She said she never read the trust agreement before signing it and that she does not recall ever being shown any part of it except for the signature page. And, it, quote, it's also undisputed that neither Bethany nor Jason nor the trustee was ever present in the office of the attorney who allegedly witnessed their signatures on the trust agreement in instances where no trust is created by reason of failure to comply with the formalities necessary for a valid trust. The judge held that the transfer of the apartment into the trust was null and void. Under New York law, the trust agreement is subject to strict formality requirements. And the judge found it was unenforceable because its acknowledgement was not taken by a person authorized to acknowledge the execution of a deed in New York, i.e. a notary, nor did two impartial adults witness their signature. So the big thing with this was the notary on a lot of these signature pages was Jason's mother, who apparently is a notary in Pennsylvania, but is not a notary in New York. So she used her Pennsylvania stamp on it, and they were not in Pennsylvania when they were signing the documents, and everyone agreed on that. So this does look really, really shady. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, Jason's mother seems like a, a nice person, and I would hope that she did not know what Jason was asking her to do, if this indeed happened the way it found. But nevertheless, the trust was found to be invalid, and so the apartment was entirely Bethany's, and she sold it. Oh, God, there's a spider. Jesus. Get your cat. Dude, you, uh, you have one job, Warlock. Warlock, to protect me from bugs. Getting his beauty rest. But to be fair, I'm not going to give the mom that much credit because when you become a notary, you have to, yeah. like, be informed. You have to take a class. You got to be certified. So she had to have known that her signing as a Pennsylvania notary was not legally correct for a New York document. There's no way she didn't know. I wish we had all the documents because I would love to see if she was deposed or what happened because for all we know, Jason took her notary stamp when he went home. But the judge found that no matter what, the trust wasn't valid. So that's, I mean, if, if he was doing that, so the trust, so they got married in 2010 and then Jason hands her the trust documents in 2011 and that he's already doing shady stuff, that's bad. Mm-hmm. He lost a lot of credibility. I mean, I was trying to be, again, struggling, trying <laughs> to look at this and be trying to be fair from both sides and saying, okay, here's what we know. But that's another mark towards Jason for me, the fact that this, the judge has found that these documents were, to say it colloquially, shady. Okay. I bought the book. Yay. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we are going to end this here. So, so far, we've given some background on Bethany and Jason, talked about their beginning custody struggles, the notary issues, issues with the Tribeca apartment. In the next episode, we're going to get into additional custody issues, issues with Jason harassing Bethany. There was even an arrest involved and kind of close out everything and explain why this divorce took so long. 
As always, thank you so much for listening and catch you in two weeks. Bye, everyone. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. The Bravo Docket is part of the ACAST Creator Network.